Amber Alerts. Amber Alert stands for America's Missing Broadcast Emergency Response, a statewide system that alerts the public when a child goes missing. Parents' worst nightmare. A story I will share with you this Tuesday about the horrors of when a child goes missing in plain sight with a friend sitting by her side who couldn't save her. Something that could happen to any of us right outside our front door. This is the kidnap and murder of Samantha Runyon. So Samantha Runyon was born on July 26, 1996, in Boston, Massachusetts, actually. Her mother was Erin Runyon and her father was Derek Jackson. She had lived there for a few years and then in sometime in 2004, her parents split and her mother Erin decided to move back to Southern California, Stanton, California in particular. Now, if you're unfamiliar with the Orange County area, it's actually a pretty big place. It has a total of about 37 cities within the county alone and a population of about 3.1 million people. So Orange County offers a wide variety of fun from the Angels baseball team to Knott's Berry Farm and probably most notably Disneyland, all within about 20 minutes, give or take. Um, And Stanton is actually a small suburb that is nestled between Westminster and Garden Grove. So it runs along the 22 freeway. And I'd say back in 1996, this was probably considered a fairly good place to grow up. Uh, Her mother knew this coming back and moving back into Stanton as she was familiar growing up within Southern California herself. So when Samantha and her mother moved to the Smoke Tree Condominiums in Stanton, California, her mother probably took a lot of relief in knowing that this was like a family-friendly place. You know, moving into a condominium as a single mom, um, having other kids and other moms there to be able to play, it's probably something that you would think that would be ideal. Um, So kids would play in this main courtyard um, and on this particular day, on July 15th, 2002, uh, Samantha was outside playing uh, with her friend Sarah. This was not uncommon for her to do. Uh, They would normally go and play out in the courtyard area. Um, Samantha was actually that day being babysat by her grandmother. Her mom, Erin, was at work in Long Beach. And uh, Samantha actually had this little spot that she used to go to with her mom. Her mom would come home um, after nights of working. And um, if you're familiar with condominiums, they're normally condos are like on the inside entrance. And on the outside entrance, you would have like the garage areas. Um, This is where... Uh, cars could actually drive through and in this particular spot Samantha's mom would come and drive to the back driveway and she would park her car and then probably enter the house through that way Um, so Samantha was known for playing in this little area 
um, that was in between the garages and she would kind of like pop up and scare her mom on different days and her mom would be like you're not supposed to be there you're supposed to be you know at the courtyard and so she'd get in trouble for it each time but it was never really anything I thought think that they thought was significant um, so on July 15 2002 at 6 30 p.m uh, Samantha Runyon and her friend Sarah A were playing in this area that Samantha was familiar with and at first Sarah had noticed that this greenish car kind of drove by and the car made a U-turn turned around and ended up parking along the garages and then the guy got out and walked up to the two little girls that were playing and he had asked them have you seen my dog? And Samantha, being the bright little bushy-tailed girl that she is, jumps up and, of course, asks the man, well, how big is your dog? And then the horror ensued. Then, without hesitation, the man grabs Samantha and forcibly drags her kicking and screaming to his car. It's said that Samantha did not go without a fight and was screaming at her friend to help her and to go tell her grandma. Sarah did just that. She ran and told her mom, who called the police. The police arrived 15 minutes later and was able to interview Sarah, who was able to provide a sketch of the kidnapper quoting that he looked Mexican, he had slick black hair and a thin black mustache and was possibly driving a light green Honda or Acura. Based on this description, it was released to the public and the manhunt was on. Sheriff Michael Corona of the Orange County Sheriff's can actually be quoted saying, don't eat, don't sleep because we are coming for you an agonizing night for the parents and the family of Samantha. I couldn't imagine. But the next day a 911 call came. And at this point, I'd like to introduce you to my guest of the week. It is my boyfriend of six years. Uh, the reason I actually brought him into this case was because he has a personal connection to this case. Not only did Mike and I grow up in Lake Elsinore, California, uh, where this story ends up ending, um, but Mike also lived in the same exact apartment buildings where the kidnapper had lived as well. And he actually also, um, through acquaintances, knew the 911 caller. So, Michael, welcome to the show. Hello. Um, I am going to actually use Michael right now to read the 911 transcript. So the next morning after this agonizing evening for the Runyons, we come to the following morning where we received a phone call. And so we will start with the 911 transcript. And this comes, this was, this was a 911 call that was released by the Riverside County Sheriff's Department. Um, it is actually edited and it is only a partial transcript. So we're only going to be reading a partial transcript to you guys at this time. So 
honey, go ahead whenever you would like to start. Oh my God, I found a dead body. Please hurry, okay? I'm in the Ortegas, okay? Ortega Mountains. I'm in Riverside County, okay? Listen to me, I'm scared to sit here. There's another truck up here and we wanna get out of here, we're scared. I understand that, we have to know what street. Stop man, stop, listen, I gotta hear. Stop what, tell me? What street are you on? I'm on Killin' Trail, it's a main street. There's another main street, but it's a big street out here. K-I-L-L-E-N, Trail. Okay, and what is your name? My name is Justin. And it looks like there was a long pause right now. Hey, can you go to my house? I'm really nervous right now. What is your phone number? My phone number is on the cell phone. Can you call me in a couple minutes? I'll be at my house too. I'll give you that number. Okay. And the number? Hey, we're going to go. I'm just scared right now. Justin, what is your address? I don't know my address there. I just moved there like a couple weeks ago with my friends. They let me move into their barn. Okay. And just got out of work. We pulled up. Justin, Justin, we need you to calm down a little. Justin, I understand, but we need you to calm down. Where is the body on killing? Justin, you're you're breaking up. I I just can't hear you, Justin. Hey, it's Justin. Leave a voicemail. There's another long pause. Hello? Hi, Justin? Hey, my phone's cutting out. I'm going to go to my house right now. That's okay. How soon will you be will you be until you get to your house? I'm pulling up to my gated community. It'll be like 4 minutes. If I just call 911 there, Will I get back to you? Yes. Okay. I'm just going to call you as soon as I get there. I'm so scared. It was like a little kid. I'm sorry. Calm down. I'm sorry, but I have a three-year-old son. You have a three-year-old son with you? Justin, hey, hey, was it an adult? Was it an adult's body? It's a baby. I think it may even be a little girl. It, It's been on the news. It's a little girl, I swear. We just looked as soon as we saw, as soon as we seen, I left. I don't know what to do. Now, how far off killing? Justin, okay, as soon as you get home, I want you to dial 911 and ask for Mary, okay? I'm freaking out. I'm sorry. I'll stop. All right. Thank you for that. And as you could see, or as you could possibly imagine, Justin was visibly shaken. Samantha's naked body was found by Justin. Posed in a position police would say was considered a killer's calling card, meaning that posed in a position of almost admiration. The killer made no point to bury or hide her body. 
It was as if the killer wanted her to be found. She was found in Lake Elsinore, California, off the Ortega Highway 74, in a remote location off Killen Trail that's frequently used by hang gliders in the area. An autopsy performed the next morning revealed that Samantha had been sexually assaulted, both vaginally and anally. She had suffered at least two blows to the head at least a half an hour before she died, which had actually caused her brain to swell. In the pathologist opinion, it was stated that she died as a result of mechanical asphyxiation through a compression of neck with a blunt force trauma to her head. The pathologist could not determine exactly what caused the compression of her neck, but based on the degree of rigor mortis, he estimated that Samantha had died anywhere between 30 to 36 hours after he conducted the autopsy. Therefore, that's roughly between 8 p.m. on July 15th and 2 a.m. on July 16th, 2002. Naturally, after Sheriff Michael's Corona's damning statement, tips started flooding in after the sketch was released. And a woman from the public, um, I was able to note that her name was Tammy D, came forward actually having known the assailant. And the police used this information and with the hard working, um, the hard work of the police task force, the law enforcement, the FBI, and the public. On July 19th, 2002, they arrested 27-year-old Alejandro Avila of Lake Elsinore, California. agonizing years later in March of 2005 the trial for Alejandro begins Alejandro Avila was born to Rafael and Adelina they had moved to Lake Elsinore in 1988 and his father was a drunk and known to be abusive If he didn't like how his wife cooked the food a certain way, he'd throw hot plates at her. His father was even arrested for shooting his neighbor, Mr. Whitney, after an altercation. Alejandro and his sister had witnessed that. His father was charged with manslaughter, then deported to Mexico. His brother was killed by gang members in Mexico, so not a pleasant childhood. Then Alejandro grew older and eventually lived in the Lakeview Apartments where his mother and sister Elvira lived during the murder. So the day of the murder, Alejandro was supposed to be at home helping his sister, getting ready for an upcoming inspection of their apartment. So there was probably a couple of loose ends that they needed to do around the house. He had also promised his mother that he was gonna make barbecue chicken. For her that night for dinner but sometime around 2 p.m alejandro decided that he wanted to leave his sister alvira had actually asked him hey where are you going and he said i'm bored going for a drive uh so later that evening around 8 p.m when adelina 
talk to Elvira. She asked how dinner was coming along and Elvira informed her, well, there is no dinner because Alejandro isn't home yet. And Adelina thought this was odd, but she nevertheless decided to call her son and her son explained to her that he was at the Ontario Mills Mall and would be spending some time there. And then eventually he's going to drive over into Dana Point and spend the night on the beach, which Adelina, of course, thought that's odd. You're supposed to be home, but okay, he's a grown man. He can do what he'd like. So then sometime around 4 a.m. the next day, so on the 16th, Alejandro arrives at home and is calling his mother, trying to get into the apartment building because it's a gated apartment and you need to call someone in order to be allowed in. So he did that. She let him in. He fell asleep for the day. The evening comes around. He ends up cooking her barbecue chicken that night and his life goes on as if nothing ever happened. A couple of articles that I read, it showed that Adelina had actually been watching the news that night with her son um, and had just made quotes of just how disgusted she was of how this person could do this. How could they do this to a little girl? She even recalls her son asking her, hey, do you think that person should get the death penalty? And without hesitation, she replied, yes. She had also told police that she had believed that Alejandro wasn't capable of ever doing such harm. And defense also argued that Alejandro's uh, testimony had said that he was at a local mall at the time. So there's no way that this kidnapping could have ever happened. And one of the things actually duly noted um, before this trial even started was that the defense team for Alejandro seemed to fight a lot for the change of venue. Obviously, this was a pretty big case back in 2002. Um, I remember knowing about it and everyone around me knowing about it. Granted, we lived in the town of where this actually happened, but it was all over the news. It was nationally run. The president at the time, George Bush, even knew about this murder. So it got a lot of national attention. But think about it. Three years go by. It's 2005. Does anybody remember the little girl that went missing in Stanton, California on July 15, 2002? Probably not. You know, at that point, all of the, the media hype had dwindled down. So the judge at the time denied Mr. Avila for his change of venue, which I completely agree with. There was just too much gap in time for the trial of the case. And yes, it got national attention, But over time, the case died down and there was no valid reason to change the venue. And out of the 150 jury selection, the judge was definitely confident that Alejandro had an impartial jury. But even with the evidence suggested otherwise, it was the prosecution's turn to go up. And here's what they presented. Besides the lewd acts, I don't need to repeat, the police were able to trace Alejandro not only by description, but DNA. 
DNA found under Samantha's fingernails and DNA was also found in Alejandro's car. DNA that was consistent with mucus, which comes from tears. Most likely tears dropped as she was crying on the side of the door panel. They had even found a footprint next to the body, which didn't match any shoes in Alejandro's apartment at the time that they did the search. Uh, But they did go back to surveillance tapes and were able to see that he was wearing a shoe that was similar to a white fila. And when they did the search in his apartment, they found a box that actually was for white filas, just no actual shoes inside. Um, They had also discovered that Alejandro did not stay at Dana Point, like he had said. He was lying, and he had actually had receipts for the embassy suites in Temecula showing that he checked in around 9 p.m. that evening. And with cell phone records and the due diligence of law enforcement, they were able to do a timeline of when Samantha was kidnapped to when he would have checked into the hotel and everything matched. So probably though, one of the most frustrating parts of this would be the fact that people like Alejandro, predators, normally have passed. And in this case, Alejandro did. As a matter of fact, um, Alejandro in 2001 had just been taken to trial for the molestation of his ex-girlfriend's daughter and her cousin. And Mike actually... Go ahead. Yeah. So my uncle actually dated Beth and she had came over and warned us about this guy before this had even happened and said, you know, told us the story about, you know, what he was accused of before. So here you go, having the public even getting their own version of Alejandro. So bringing us now, so in actual the Runyon case, the case against Beth's daughter was not actually allowed to be used because he was acquitted in this case. It was actually ruled out by the judge. So, but another girl actually came forward named Cara B and she was actually able to testify that she had had a run in with Avila at some point who had molested her. Um, They also, uh, the jury also heard testimony from Avila's sister, Elvira, if you remember that I mentioned her. She testified one night that her and Alejandro were sitting there watching the movie Double Jeopardy. And I don't know if you're familiar with that, with Ashley Judd and Tommy Lee Jones. It's actually about where a wife gets framed for killing her husband. um, And then she actually serves time for it and gets out and finds out that he's alive and so technically she can kill him and not get in trouble for it. It's double jeopardy. It's actually a law that exists. And Alejandro was sitting there with his sister that night and just thought to tell her, oh, hey, remember remember Beth's daughter? Well, I was acquitted of that, so technically I could do whatever I want to Beth's daughter and she can't do anything about it because I've already been acquitted for it. So how, yeah, how sick is that? <clears throat> 
You know, but even with all the state's evidence and the testimony from Samantha's mother and grandmother, the jury of 12 convicted Alejandro Avila of murder in the first degree of five-year-old Samantha Runyon on July 22nd, 2005. That would have been just three days shy of Samantha's eighth birthday. The state of California and the county of Orange sentenced Alejandro Avila to death. And he currently awaits on death row at San Quentin Prison. Now, this is a little unfortunate for my fans of death row, um, but Governor Newsom did last year um, revoke our death row here in California. So our death row inmates now are serving life in prison. I believe with the without the possibility of parole um so now thank you mike i want to thank you so much for being here with me oh, no problem it's my pleasure <laughs> and enduring all my nervousness and horribleness <laughs> through this i uh, it has been such an honor to do this episode on miss samantha runyon it rocked our town. I remember it rocked me as a kid. I will never forget this, Mike. I don't think I you will ever forget this beautiful little girl. It has now been 18 years since Samantha was taken from all of us. And I just want to say not a day goes by that we as a community or even just me and Mike as a couple here will ever forget her. We will always love, pray, and honor you, dear Samantha. And I also want to recognize her amazing mother, Erin Runyon, who took this horrible, ter- horrific tragedy and turned it into something so beautiful for her daughter, Samantha. Amazing. She has this organization called The Joyful Child. It is foundation that focuses on pro and a proactive approach in dealing with difficult issues of violence against children while celebrating the gift that is every child. She continues to help families and law enforcement in Orange County to help crimes against children and to make them feel safe. I can't even describe what an inspiration she is to me as a mother. So I encourage all of you to please check out the Joyful Child Foundation.org. And I thank all of you, and I thank you, Mike, for being here for my very first episode of Tuesdays with Trisha. I really hope you enjoyed it, and see you next week. <laughs>